Well, we're in a series, a message series called Goals 2013. We're in the new year, we're in 2013, and we know that God has goals for our lives. God has a goal for your life, or goals for your life. He has goals for my life. He wants us to progress in reaching those goals in this new year. Now, for a believer, life is about doing God's will. Not our own will, but God's will. And what does it mean to do God's will? To do God's will is simply discovering God's goals for your life and then asking Him to help you accomplish those goals. It's as simple and as profound as that. Accomplishing God's goals in your life is really the most important thing that you can do in life. That's what life is all about. God created you for a purpose. And that purpose was to accomplish the goals that he planned for you. He created you in a special way so that you could accomplish the goals he has for you. And so we want to accomplish those goals. Because when we do, it will enhance our lives. It will enhance the lives of people around us. And it will impact eternity. I want my life to do things that will impact eternity, that will last forever. So in this series, we're looking at five basic areas that God wants each believer, each person to grow in. Five areas that God wants us to grow in in 2013. Set goals in each of these five areas. A couple Sundays ago, we looked at growing in our relationship with God, growing in our prayer life. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Last Sunday, we looked at growing in our relationships with people. People in the church. People in the body of Christ. And today, we're going to be looking at practicing God's Word. Now, in your bulletin, there's a white page, which looks like there's several papers in there. We'll get to the second one in a minute. The first one looks like this. And you can pull that out. It has the outline of the message written out as well as the scriptures. We're going to be talking about the Bible, God's Word. The Bible is God's handbook for life. God didn't give us a whole tome of volumes. He gave us one book, the Bible, God's Word. And in the Bible, God has revealed information about Himself, information that we can't get any other place. He's revealed information about Himself. He's revealed information about people about the world in which we live in. It's essential information for living the way God created us to live. And so in order to accomplish the goals that God has for us in life, we need to understand His Word and we need to apply it to our lives. We need to practice what He says. The Bible is an amazing book. It's a unique book. There's no other book like it. It was written over a 1,500-year span by over 40 different authors on multiple continents, in different places. And yet, as you read it, it's a single unfolding story. The story of God coming to earth to redeem His people, to save us from our sins, to give us a future, to give us a hope. Now, in the past, many years ago in America, the mark of an educated person was his knowledge of the Bible. But today, unfortunately, you can get a PhD in just about any discipline other than biblical theology and, and not open the Bible at all. And so the state of Bible knowledge today is at an all-time low. But we don't have to remain ignorant of the Bible. Today we have so many tools that can help us study the Bible. 
The Bible is readily available. It's not the case in many countries around the world, but in the United States it's still readily available. Uh, you can get the Bible on your computer. It's easy to search. You can search the Bible on the internet. You can get an app on your iPhone or your smartphone that can help you read it and, and keep track. And so we need to use those tools. A wise person understands that knowledge of the Bible is one of the most important things that you can do in your life. Psalm 119.72 says, The law from your mouth, speaking of God, the law speaking of God's word, is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Well, let's put it in modern terms. What if you had the chance of winning the lottery or deepening your understanding of God's word? What would you choose? Piles of silver and gold or understanding the wisdom of God's word? The psalmist says that he would choose God's word. That's more precious to him than piles of money. And just to push that illustration a little further, I'm sure you've all read about the tragic stories of lottery winners. It devastates people's lives. All this money and too little wisdom from God leads to disaster. To use the Bible to reach God's goals for our lives in 2013, we've got to make a decision to believe when we read God's Word, to believe what's in it. To believe that what the Bible says is true. We might not understand all of it, but as believers, we make a choice to believe what God says to us. Well, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in the God who wrote the Bible? If God truly wrote the Bible, then it's an incredibly important book. And he did. Faith is a choice of the will. And as we choose to believe God's word, as we choose to study it and understand it in greater dimension, God does wonderful things in our lives. Today we're going to look at how we can practice God's word to accomplish God's goals for our life in 2013. First point we want to look at is to be an eager learner. Having the Bible sitting on a shelf gathering dust isn't going to do you any good, nor having an, a program on your computer that's never used to read the Bible going to do you any good. God wants us to be eager learners, eager learners of his word, eager to learn everything that God has for us. We're going to be studying today a passage from the book of James. And James lists three characteristics of people who are eager to learn God's word. The first characteristic is they're quick to listen, quick to listen to God. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Not slow to listen, but quick to listen. You know, when you really want to learn something, when you really want to hear what somebody has to say, you, you attune your ears to it. You, you want to, you're on the tip of your toes wanting to hear what this person says. And that's the way we need to be with the, with the Word of God. I want to emphasize, the Bible is just not another religious book like all the other religious books. God inspired men of old by His Holy Spirit to write down words from Himself. 
the things that God wanted revealed about himself. And what they wrote down was without error of any kind. This is an incredible book. So you and I can depend on the Bible. And as a believer, if you're a believer here today, if you're not, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the message. But if you're a believer here today, this book is your life. You can't live without it. You can't live the way that God wants you to live without it. You can't understand life without understanding the Bible. You can't fulfill God's goals for your life without the instructions in this Bible. And so we need to be quick to listen to what God has to say to us. And God has something to say to you through his word every day. Now, if you've been a believer for a while, you might say, well, I understand the Bible. I understand this story. I understand that story. But God speaks through his word, specific things to us as we read his word that gives us guidance day in and day out. Now, you don't need specialized training to understand what the Bible is saying. It's helpful, but even a child, as they read the Bible, can hear God speaking to them, can understand what God is telling them if they're quick to listen. To be an eager learner, you also need to be slow to speak. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now why should we be slow to speak? Maybe because we're too quick to speak sometimes. Also because if we're speaking, it's difficult to listen, isn't it? If you went to a college class and simply sat there and told your instructor everything you knew about the topic, what's the point of the class? If you're speaking, you're not learning. If you're speaking, you're not listening. And so when we come to the Bible, we need to come with an attitude of listening, an attitude of, God, what do you want to say to me? Not an attitude of, I've read this before. I know what this story is. God, what thing new do you want to say to me today? What do you want to speak to me? Now, James is not telling us, don't speak at all. It's good to ask God questions. God, what do you mean as we read his word? What do you mean about this? What would you have me do? It's good to ask questions and then listen and see what he would say to you as you read God's word. Finally, to be an eager learner, we need to be slow to anger. Now, what's reading the Bible and becoming angry got to do with each other? I had to ponder this for a while. James 1, 19 to 20 says, Everyone should be slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. People become angry when they understand what God's word is saying, when they understand that God's word is calling for change in their lives, but they don't want to change. And people become angry with God's word. It happens when we read the Bible on our own. It may happen when you hear a pastor saying something you don't agree with. Or perhaps you simply don't want to change the way the Bible says. It's happening in our society on every level. You see it in the news media all the time. People angry with what the Word of God says. And what do they say? They say it's outdated. It's outmoded. We're long past that. It doesn't apply to us anymore. We've advanced. And yet, God's word is true. 
James tells us in these verses that this anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. It doesn't bring about a life that's pleasing to God. It doesn't help us accomplish God's goals for us in the new year. When you're angry about something, you're not going to change, are you? You're not going to learn. And so be quick to listen. Be an eager learner. And so this morning, each of us needs to think, what is God saying to me? Whenever you hear God's word, whether you read it or hear somebody talking about it, you need to be thinking, what are you saying to me, God, today? How are you speaking to me? The Bible encourages us to read God's word every day. It's a good habit. It's a good practice to have. Use a modern translation. I suggest a New Living Translation or New International Version. And read it every day. One help that we have uh, is in your bulletin. You might want to pull it out now. It's a second piece of paper called a daily Bible reading plan. And we hand these out every once in a while. And inside you see a whole bunch of numbers. And those are all the chapters in the Bible. One little square for each chapter. Looks like a lot, doesn't it? On the back page is the New Testament. On the two inner pages is the Old Testament. And the way you use this is simply, as you read through the Bible, you check off the chapters that you read. So you can keep track of what you're reading. Now some people just kind of flip the Bible open and read in one place. The next day they flip it open to another place. Now would you read any other book like that? Now it's not a very good way to read a book. You should read a book at least uh, when the Bible is made up of 66 books, at least book at a time. And it's often good to read right through. A good goal for you this year, if you're not reading the Bible at all, would be to read a chapter a day. I encourage people to start with 15 minutes a day. I don't believe there's a person here that can't carve out 15 minutes a day to read a chapter in God's Word and pray about how it would apply to your life. If you haven't read God's Word before, I encourage you to begin reading in the New Testament. And once you read through the New Testament, go back to the Old. If you're already reading your Bible and you want an ambitious goal for 2013, an ambitious goal would be to read through the whole Bible in a year. You're going to have to read, I think it's written out on here somewhere. Uh, by reading four chapters a day, you'll read through the entire Bible in ten months. It's really not that hard. Perhaps if you've never done that before, that would be a good goal that God would have you do. Or read through the New Testament. Each person is different. But as you're an eager learner, God will speak to you. Not just read through it to check the boxes off, but read through it to learn. Read through it to hear from God. God will help you through his word to grow. He'll help you to reach his goals for your life in 2013 as an eager learner. Secondly, learn the right way. There's a right way, there's a wrong way to study the Bible. As human beings, we have limited capacity. We don't have unlimited capacity to learn. And so James gives us some simple instructions that will help us to learn from the Bible the right way. First of all, don't fill your life with garbage. Don't fill your life with garbage. We're going to talk about what this means in a minute. 
As human beings, we have an option to choose what we're going to study. We have the option to choose what we're going to look at. We have the option to choose what we're going to listen to, what we're going to read. And today, in today's society, we have more options than ever before in the history of mankind, don't we? Some of those options are good, and some of those options are not good. James 1.21, the Word of God says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Well, things haven't changed much in 2,000 years, have they? I guess back there, 2,000 years ago, there was moral filth and evil. Well, there's moral filth and evil today, is there not? More places probably available quicker at the click of a button today than was ever available in James' time. James' admonition was to get rid of it from your life. Don't allow things that would fall under those categories of moral filth and evil to fill your life, to pollute your mind, because it affects you. Everything that you take into your life, whether you read about it, whether you watch it, whether you listen to it, affects your life. It's like a seed that's planted inside of you. And what happens to seeds? If you bring evil seeds into your life, and they're planted in your heart, they're planted in your mind, then they're going to grow up. And you're going to reap a harvest of evil. The Bible says in place after place, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you look at things, if you listen to things, and you fill your mind and you fill your thoughts with things that are not right, things that are wrong, things that are evil, you're going to reap a bad harvest. Every evil seed that you allow into your life will grow and it will begin to choke out the good things that are growing in your life. It's going to choke out the Word of God, the life of God. And the end result, back from many years ago when I was studying computer programming, they taught me about my programming code. They said, garbage in, garbage out. You know, you, you program something that isn't going to work right. You put that into the computer, you're going to get bad things out. Put bad things in, bad things are going to come out. And today, I can't count the number of times that people say, Pastor, it doesn't affect me. I can watch this. I can look at that. I can read that. And it doesn't affect me at all. You know, everybody's doing it. It, it doesn't affect me watching this evil thing. It doesn't watch me. It doesn't affect me playing this video game. Well, there's different kinds of video games, aren't there? And some games are not so good. People say it doesn't affect them. It does affect you. Everything affects you. Everything you watch, everything you listen to, everything you set your mind on affects you. If you don't believe it, why do people advertise? Because you see something enough, it's going to affect your behavior. So it's a naive idea, it's a childish idea that you can watch things that aren't good and it's not going to affect you. Everything you fill your life with affects you, either for good or for bad. So don't fill your life with garbage. On the other hand, we need to humbly accept God's Word. The purpose of avoiding evil, the purpose of 
not filling your mind with something that's not good. And you all are smart enough to pretty much know the difference between what's good and what's not. Is so we can accept God's word. James 1.21 says, Humbly accept the word planted in you, speaking of the seed of God's word, which can save you. And so the word of God must be accepted. As it's not enough just to read God's word, you have to accept that it's true. You have to believe it. You have to allow it to be planted in your hearts, planted in your minds as a seed, so that it can grow and bring you a harvest of blessing. And we accept it with humility. It says, humbly accept the word. Why does it say humbly? Well, the opposite of being humble is being prideful. Pride will keep you from accepting God's word. Pride says, I don't need to change. Pride says, I'm, I'm good enough. Pride says, this is too hard to do. I don't think I want to do it. Pride says, maybe that's for somebody else. It's not for me. I'm okay just the way I am. Pride does not want to change. But humility says, God, I want to change. God, I need to change. God, when I look at Jesus, I see I have a ways to go. And I know you want me to become like Jesus. And so change me so that I can become more like him. I want to live by your word. And so a humble acceptance of God's word is a characteristic of those whose lives are truly being transformed by God's power as we learn the right way. You know, Christian family adopted a 12-year-old boy named Roger. And Roger had been raised in a very difficult environment. Uh, both of his parents ultimately died of heroin overdoses. So he was, was raised in a very dysfunctional family. And as Roger came into his new home with his uh, parents who were believers, it was a very different environment than he was used to. And he found it difficult to adjust. His new parents were constantly telling him, no, Roger, that's not how we do things in this family. It's not like your other family. No, you don't have to scream. You don't have to fight. You don't have to hurt other people to get your own way. No, Roger, you don't need to talk that way. No, Roger, in this family we respect one another. In this family we show our love for one another. And as this went on, this training of Roger over a period of months, stretching into the first couple years slowly, Roger began to change. Roger began to take on the qualities of his new family. He was receiving positive reinforcement. He was feeling love from them. He was giving direction in the right way to live. The garbage of his former life was no longer being poured into him. He was being filled up with something new. He learned to humbly accept the instruction of his new parents and not resist it because it wasn't the way he was used to. He knew they loved him. He knew they wanted the best for him. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father loves you. He created you. He wants the very best for you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. God's plan for your life is better than anything you could imagine. And so often people say, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. That's not humbly accepting the direction from your Heavenly Father. 
He doesn't want his children to fill their minds and their lives with evil, with the garbage that's so readily available today. He wants us to fill our minds with God's word, to humbly accept our Father's instruction so that we can live lives that are blessed, so that we can live lives that are a blessing to other people around us. Lives that are not self-centered, but lives that are God-centered and other-centered. That's what God has for us. And finally, James tells us we need to put our learning into action or into practice. Study alone is worthless. Now this last point has escaped many, many people. It's spoken in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I thought, Pastor, we are just talking about we need to listen to God's word. He says don't just listen. Don't merely listen to the word. Because if you do, you're deceiving yourself. So many people say, you know, I just want to read more of the Bible. I just want to learn more of the Bible. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't stop there. Because that's not where the blessing comes. That's a deception. Look at James 1.23. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do, you might want to circle that word do, but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so God is saying when we read God's word, when we listen to God's word, it's as if we're looking at ourselves in a mirror. And what does a mirror do? It, it shows us what we're really like. You might think one thing about yourself and then you look in the mirror and you see you got food hanging out of the side of your mouth, right? Has that ever happened to anybody? Or somebody in your family will tell you. You know, get that, clean yourself up. But when we study God's word, we see our spiritual condition. It shows us where we need to change. It shows us that we're not up to Jesus' level yet. I'm not there. None of us are there. We have a ways to go. And so, if we listen to the Word, if we read the Word and we don't do what it says, it's like getting up in the morning, looking in the mirror, seeing your hair is all mussed up, seeing, well, if you're a man, that you haven't shaved yet, uh, seeing your teeth need to be brushed, and a number of other things, and then you get busy and you go off to work, and you forget to do anything about it. And everybody says, hey, did you just have a bad night or something? You know, you look a mess. Because you looked in the mirror and you didn't take any action. And so God wants us to look into the mirror of his word, see where we need to change, and then take action. It's a book for action. Not just to be read and think, well, I've read my chapter for the day. God's got to bless me. That's the deception. Do not merely listen to the word. Or you might say read the word. And so deceive yourselves. You know, if you read a cookbook, what, why do you read a cookbook? Because you want to learn how to cook. I mean, I don't know that anybody just reads a cookbook to uh, read recipes. Maybe there's somebody here that does that. But, you know, you read a cookbook because you want to put it into action. And the Bible is kind of like a cookbook. You want to read it to put it into action, not just to say, I read it. Study plus action leads to blessing. 
Sorry, I missed a click. Blessing comes when your study of God's word leads to change in your life. Verse 25 is James' conclusion. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that's God's word, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so James, sees the man, James says the man that looks into God's perfect law, God's law is perfect, it, it describes God's standard for our lives. And we don't measure up. And we see our own imperfection. But God says, I'm going to help you move towards that. I'm going to help you move towards more righteous living. I'm going to help you move towards being more like Jesus. And we say, yes, Lord, I want to change. It says that man will have God's blessing in what he does as he put God's word into practice. God's word gives freedom to live the way God created us to live as we put it into practice. Now, as a pastor, I, I try to help you put God's word into practice every week. It's really how I teach on Sundays. I, I try to teach in such a way that you can take something home that you can put into practice in your life. We use the multimedia. We have the things on the screen. But we have the outline in the bulletin as well. And that outline is there for you to fill out and then take home to read over and study and put into practice during the week. On the back are study questions for you to fill out. If you're in a life group, those will be discussed in your life group. If you're not able to come, you can do them on your own. Why? So that you can put God's word into action in your life. So we want to see, God wants to see, church not just simply to be a place for entertainment, not just to be a place to say, I did my duty for the week, but a place for God to speak to us and us to respond and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do something different this week. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to put something new into action this week. I'm going to go further in my walk with you this week. God wants to bless each of our lives as we put his word into action so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can fulfill God's goals for our lives this year. And it all starts with God's manual for life, the Bible. It's so readily available, we have no excuse in America today. Be an eager learner. Learn the right way. Say no to garbage. If your mind is filled with garbage, if your mind is filled with things that are not of God, it's going to be hard for you to humbly accept God's word. So stay away from that stuff and humbly accept the word of God and put it into practice. And when you do, God's going to bless your life and you're going to be a blessing to many other people. Now, this message has been primarily directed towards people who are believers. And if you're not a believer, as you read God's word, God will speak to you. And he ultimately wants you to become a believer. Someone who's committed their life to Jesus Christ. To become a believer, you need to admit that you've sinned. You've done wrong things. You've been following your goals for your life, not God's. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross that your sins might be forgiven. Invite him into your life and commit your life to following him and his purpose for your life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. And if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, 
or you want to recommit your life this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say, Father, today I admit I've sinned. I've been following my goals for my life, not yours. I've been doing my own thing. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name.